subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network. This podcast is powered by the pros at Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Arkansas owned, Arkansas operated. GoPascal.com. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. I'm always high on the hogs, guys. <laughs> I'm high. Well, I'm not high right now, but my day is young. My odometer's way up there. I'm that 2018 that's already got 130,000 miles on it. The Razorbacks rush across the field to get that boot. Tommy, Chuck, and Ty, you guys are the gold standards of sports talk radio. He bleeds to Arkansas. Ty's got good hair. We know that in conference play, traditionally under Art Musselman, there is a lump or two that this team goes through. And you had a few of those in non-conference play that have been kind of unaccustomed so far in his tenure. Here's where he said following Saturday's win about how he feels his team is right now. The last 60 minutes has probably been our best basketball of the year other than the 40 minutes against Duke. So I think we're moving and trending in the right direction. And, and now, obviously, things change big game on Saturday against Auburn and you know would expect this place to be absolutely bedlam would expect it to be sold out and expect incredible energy in the building in Bud Walton on next Saturday afternoon you know our guys will be excited to play in that environment and we'll all want to be a part of the start of SEC play they're going to be really excited now Arkansas will follow up that Auburn game at home traveling to Athens Georgia to take on Mike White's Bulldogs again Arkansas's schedule is back loaded in conference play don't relative to front loaded but you do have back-to-back road games Tommy after this Auburn game I'm going to make the assumption that while Auburn is a top 25 opponent I would argue the game in Athens next Wednesday is more important just because this team has struggled in neutral side and road situations I think getting off to the right start and protecting your home court's important being two and one after three games is really where you got to be I don't think uh Three and O's the the place, but you can't be one and two, and you certainly can't be zero and three. So, um, I just think the mindset it creates. You lose at home, you feel like it's a loss and a half. So, I think this Saturday is really important. Well, I just assume they're gonna. I'm coming from this perspective. I assume they're gonna win. That's where I I, I don't assume that. Even though Georgia, if you look at Georgia and Auburn. There's two differences. You would take Auburn as the better basketball team. I honestly think they're going to win on Saturday. Maybe I'm assuming too much. Maybe I just expect too much out of this basketball team. But relative to what they've done at home and to other places, especially in the SEC this year, that's where I'm thinking. They have played good bat offensively. Defensively, you still have got a lot of issues that they have to correct. And personally, I don't know if they're going to correct. I don't know if they have the personnel to correct them defensively this year. Offensively, they can be explosive like you saw on Saturday. I don't know if we'll see that on defense this year. Well, Auburn's cracked the pole for whatever that's worth. They're at 25th. Uh, they're 10-2. and two. They do have a game tonight. They play Penn. Arkansas is off till Saturday, so I don't know if that's a that's a advantage or a disadvantage one way or the other, but there is two, uh, two league games uh, tonight uh, that involve non-conference games, so uh, if you want to watch Auburn, check them out. You can do that tonight, so I don't know if that's good or bad in relation to that. Yeah, plenty of games this past weekend with SEC teams. Again, it's kind of different setup when that point. They crushed Chattanooga this past weekend, 101 
to 66. Other SEC teams that played in action as well. As the college football season comes to a conclusion next Monday night, people will really start to sink their teeth in college basketball. Yes, you've got NFL playoffs. Yes, you've got the Super Bowl to this point. But this is more, at least in, in our airwaves, is more of a college-centric market. And I'm still very much infatuated with going on in the NFL, but I'm definitely going to watch more college basketball starting this week and next week after the conclusion of the national championship. Is that a question? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think we're the next big thing we're all looking forward to is next Monday night, then the Super Bowl. But, um, yeah, I mean, I think we, we start turning the page. And I think the more Arkansas wins early in SEC play, the more we turn the page together. Arkansas gets off to a lackluster start. And I think we're all looking, hey, where's that baseball schedule? Get that out here. Because that's why I think winning Saturday is important. It sets the narrative for the next 10 days or so. So I think if you can beat a ranked team on your floor – um, climb to your 10th win of the year. I mean, you guys still have a long ways to go just winning games in your next 18 to to feel comfortable going into March. So uh, this would be a quality win on your own floor. I, I assume it would be a quad one opportunity. It's got to be a top 30, so I don't know if Auburn... I, it's I weird. Know. The rankings are odd in the sense that some teams are ranked within the top 25, and yet in the net rankings, they're not at this point. You're not going to get a lot of quad one opportunities in this league this year, or as it appears right now. They're at 13. So, yes, this yeah. is a quad one opportunity this upcoming weekend as well. I think for, again, fans, you haven't had a, a ton of, of stuff going on. Or you've had more holiday and stuff coming on. This kind of gets you back into the fold of, hey, sports again. Not that you haven't had sports intertwined to a certain degree with this, but with the New Year ending, Christmas holiday ending, people getting back in the swing of things as of today. Do you know anyone that's taken off today, too? Or just, I know you got the, well, the holiday. Are, my kids are still out of school. I don't, most, most kids don't go back to school until tomorrow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I might go back tomorrow. Tomorrow. Okay. What's high schools? What's the know, extra, what's the extra day added for? Just winter break? Yeah. The conclude the conclusion of it at this point? I guess. I don't know. That's just what the schedule is. So, I guess they figure what is least convenient for the parents, and then that's what they do. Yeah, and they pick the uh, they pick the opposite at, at this point in time. Yeah. And we we looked it up, so students will start back. It's after Martin Luther King Day, so I think it's the fifteenth, if I remember that right. So it's not this upcoming Monday; it's the following. I think Tuesday is the setup at this point. So you still got campus and and Fayetteville. So if you're driving around this weekend, if you're trying to get to the game, it's of course you've got college battery, you've got Bud Walton traffic. But the good thing is you don't have to deal with the other thirty plus thousand students on campus this weekend, which I would expect people to. I mean, again, getting back in the swing of things with it being the game. Games at what time is it? One pull that up again we play Auburn but the the game is in a situation yeah it's one o'clock on ESPN 2 and right here I mean that's a I think the afternoon games kind of right there that's pretty good setup when it comes to heading up to yeah. heading up here to Fayetteville I, th- I think the point we need to make or the point you're, you're you're getting to is should be some tickets available even though it's a sold out season uh they've made those student tickets available I assume the the extra student tickets will be made available again this Saturday, uh, because I don't expect the heaviest student crowd, um, you know, this weekend being 10 days out from returning to, to classes. Mm-hmm. Another thing going on this weekend, horse racing's back at Oakland. They got cranked up this New Year's weekend as well. They'll be back this Saturday, January the 6th, with a $150,000 Pippin Stakes. This is for four-year-olds and up, so last year's three-year-olds will be getting after it. Everybody, as uh, Lane pointed out on Friday, got a birthday 
on the first. So Phillies and Mares will go a mile and a sixteenth for a hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Join uh, Oakline with that Oakline Anywhere app. Use the promo code Rush twenty four for a hundred fifty dollars sign up bonus. So even if you're not going to Oakline, you can watch and wager on the best thoroughbred racing in the country. Android users go to bet.oakline.com. And uh, you can you know, save that to your home screen as well. And like we said, new members get that $150 sign-up bonus, earn points for cash back for every dollar wagered, and free past performances and free access to valuable handicapping selections to help you win when you sign up for the Oakland Anywhere app. That's oaklawnanywhere.com for more details. Get the Oakland Anywhere app in the Apple App Store or bet.oakland.com for Android users. Use the promo code RUSH24 for your $150 sign-up bonus and get ready for the Pippin Stakes this Saturday at Oakland. Other notable news this weekend that came out. K.J. Jefferson, I was actually in the airport when I saw this news, has found his next destination, Orlando, Florida, playing for Gus Malzahn and UCF. Uh, they'll, ironically enough, go into Florida again. Maybe you can get a second consecutive victory against the Swamp. If you remember, UCF's now in the Big 12, so he's going to be playing Big 12 opponents at this point this season. He's got some fun dates. I'm looking at UCF's schedule right now. He's got some interesting games ahead. UCF had an okay season this year. Uh, I know there, there are people excited about that opportunity. I'm just happy you don't have to play KJ. I hope I wish him well, but I did not want to have to see Arkansas battle him because I felt like he would have had a really good game. I think when he envisioned the portal and what was next, probably UCF wasn't the place that first came to mind, but I do think Gus's offense does fit him well. Gus likes a big running quarterback, and I think for what K.J. brings to the table, this is perfect. So uh, I look for him to have a big season under Gus, and Gus is really good about molding his offense around the talent he has, and I think he will with K.J. So if you've got some thoughts on him choosing, I know we've had plenty. We took plenty of those this past week and a couple weeks, but we finally have a a decision at this point. The portal, Tommy, closes today. Now, grad transfers are not subject to the 30-day and the 15-day window, 30-day around winter, and then you've got the spring as well. You can enter at any time at this point. But if you have not decided if you're going to enter the portal, you have to do so by today if you want to enter this cycle. Now, you can exit any time. You can find your next destination anytime. That's not subject to that. But you'll see some last-minute transfers that enter the portal as of today. You think Arkansas will uh, have any more players on their roster? Is that pretty well completed at this point? Well, the big one's Jaheim Thomas, who entered the portal as well, and that was a big loss. Arkansas lost a lot of linebacker depth when you <laughs> like, think about Like Paul. every linebacker. Yeah, Paul, Crook, him, Manny Powell, Fayetteville kids. So, it is, uh, it is a position of need right now, and Arkansas's got to be able to fill it. Um, Jaheim was Arkansas's leading tackler, was one of the leading tacklers in the SEC, and, and Thomas is a big loss because he was a guy that you plucked from Cincinnati, and I don't know if he's going to wind up playing for Fickle again at Wisconsin or where he's going to go, but yeah, I, I would expect there one or two more names enter the portal last second today. So, and I, I bet this was one of the more talked about and asked questions of the weekend. What's going on at linebacker? Why are all these guys at once, you know, getting, you know, looking to get out of here? And I, I don't have an answer. I, I wonder the same thing is why all of a sudden do your do all your linebackers seem to want to escape the program? 
I think I mean it's different reasons for each player, and they'd have to tell you individually. I know it's odd because Travis Williams, that's his position right. group, and he's the defensive coordinator, and there seemed to be such a connection with him amongst so many other players. So it is as it is kind of odd at this point. And you look at what Arkansas, the two big, the arguably now what didn't actually play out that way, but arguably your two biggest depth positions these past uh, this past year was at linebacker or running back now it's the two biggest positions of need based on losing AJ Green, Rocket Sanders Chris Paul, Jaheim Thomas I know Crook didn't play as much, Manny Powell I don't think played at all unless he played special teams but yeah you've, you've got issues right now there. Yeah I mean um, I, would, I, I would consider it critical at this point but it is head scratching uh, because you know a lot of things you just said were discussed you know, throughout the weekend in the circles I was was traveling in, and it is um, it's a bit worrisome, but also puzzling as to why you find yourself in the place you're at at linebacker. You're a school that's you know you've you've had better linebacker play over the last three or four years in total, but you've never been uh, you know I can't remember you know there's been a lot more years doing this job where we've talked about the lack of depth at linebacker mm-hmm. than. The quality at linebacker, and it seems like we're back to the, uh, the the more dominant conversation. Well, you just look at last night what Alabama had at linebacker. I'm watching Michigan. Washington had a few guys as well. I mean, it's such a crucial. It's the quarterback your defense, as we always say. And Arkansas lost its two biggest quarterbacks in Paul and Greer. By the way, another you knew this was coming, but Antonio Greer is out of eligibility, so he declared there's a draft. He wasn't able to come back to school because he was done with college, but that's another loss because he's one of your guys that contributed a lot. So I would argue that it is the position that you need the most based on just who you lost, not just to like career to the the draft and eligibility, but who exited Arkansas and, and venture of trying to go elsewhere. Well, I would think it would be slim pickings at this point in, in the uh, portal at linebacker, but, you know, I, I'm I'm really interested to see what the next move is here for uh, you. Asked it, but it, it's not just for Arkansas, but what other guys today decide? And again, grad, grad transfers can enter and exit any time. But what underclassmen elect today in the final day of the portal cycle? Hey, I'm going to go to the portal. You'll see not just in Fayetteville here. You'll see other exits in the Southeastern Conference and other places. And you think about Alabama. You think about Michigan, and not Michigan, but not Michigan, not Washington, but Alabama and Texas. Texas will have guys that waited to play in that game with the opportunity to play for a national championship. They didn't get there, and now you'll see some guys exit as of today. Dennis and Spreedale texted saying, the college football playoffs were competitive than most. The future Big Ten knocked the SEC out of the playoffs, and he wonder if that's a signal for the torch passing in a couple of years. That's a good question, Dennis, as he texted on the McCarty-Daniel hotline. I think that you had a unique setup this year, or again, you had so many undefeated teams when you look at, uh, and teams like Florida State that even didn't get in. I don't know. I think this year is more of an anomaly. Now, I said it earlier. I think that this is going to be a heavy Big Ten SEC-centric playoffs in the coming years, starting next year. Will you have Big Ten teams that match up in the college football playoff championship? I think it's more apt that you'll have an SEC team play a Big Ten team consistently moving forward. There will be years it will be SEC against SEC. There will be years it's Big Ten, Big Ten like this year, basically. But I think it's more apt to see the best Big Ten versus the best SEC team and various cases most of the time you know and we talk about travel and the wear and tear and the cumulative effect 
We'll see what it ha- what the cumulative effect is on Oregon and Washington, and then the teams that have to travel to Oregon and Washington. The travel's going to be much different in the Big Ten moving forward uh, compared to what it's what it has been. So that that's one thing to see. You know, you get to the end of the year, does it does it have an effect? This is also a year that I think if you're Michigan or Washington, you are glad it was only a four team playoff because I'm of the belief that if Georgia was on any kind of bracket uh, that involved their opportunity to get to this championship game. There'd be a damn good chance they'd be in it right now. I mean, we saw. I know Florida State was decimated with opt-outs, but but still, they destroyed mm-hmm. Florida State uh, by sixty. Sixty. <laughs> so I mean, anyone anyone that thinks Georgia wouldn't be a factor had been had they been given the opportunity, I you're not watching the same team I'm watching. I just think in order to beat Georgia, you have to have an insane quarterback. And I know Milrow and Alabama beat them this year because Saban just has something on Kirby Smart. Smart's now 1-5 and five against them this year. I, I Again, maybe maybe Ewers would be able to or Penix would be able to, but I would say if Georgia was in this field, I would probably say there are three people. But they lost, and they didn't get at it. Well, even though they brought, you that three-peat we've been talking about that hadn't happened since the 30s. It shows you how hard it is, mm-hmm. and now you know that that probably will stand, but beyond a hundred years, because now you got, you know, I don't see Michigan going on a three feet. I certainly don't see Washington doing that, and I don't think Alabama's in a position any longer to accomplish that or make a run at it. They, I mean, as great as Alabama's dynasty is and has been, they couldn't do it either. Yep. And speaking of Alabama, I do want to mention this before Cody and Benville joins us on the McCarty Daniel Hotline. Longest streak, dry spell, whatever you want to call it, that Nick Saban has not won a championship in Tuscaloosa. When he arrived in 2007, they were bad in 2007, still somehow beat you in Tuscaloosa. 2008, they go to the SEC championship. 2009, they win it. And three years, it's the longest stretch ever in Tuscaloosa where Nick Saban has not won a national championship. And look how close they were. Overtime with the team that's in there. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's it's just that razor thin. Yep. All right, let's talk to Cody in Benville. He's got some thoughts on the college football playoff and the Arkansas Razorbacks. Cody, good morning. Welcome into 2024, man. Hey, good morning, guys. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Hey, uh, real quick, man, Washington's not getting enough love. 13-0 now. Two 14-0. How hard? Sorry, 14-0, Tommy. Um, back to two wins against Oregon. I mean, as far as resume goes, I think they may have the most impressive resume in the college football playoff. Then beating Texas, who beat Bama, who beat Georgia. So, I'm very impressed with Washington, yeah. their head coach. Uh, I don't know if you guys heard his history, his pedigree, where he comes from. He won back-to-back championships, I believe, at the D2 level. And then if he wins here, it's kind of similar to a Nolan Richardson-type story, right? So he won JUCO, I believe, and then he won NCAA. I may be wrong on that. It was NIT, then NCAA. But I just thought that was interesting, and I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, Washington's a great school, but who knows where he could end up? Maybe Ohio State. I don't know. Um, But I was also going to talk to you all about this. I know it's not not a popular opinion because of kind of the – what you saw happen with the whole cheating scandal with Phil and the signs. But, I mean, what school – I think most schools are. I'm not saying that's right, but – kind of smoking mirrors what jim harbaugh's done at michigan before he got there i believe they have lost a few games in a row so i'll state and he did as well now they put those wins together michigan looks like a sound football team against alabama Milrow doesn't have the consistency most good quarterbacks do at alabama 
And maybe if they did, they may have won that game. Sometimes they're stagnant on offense. Way too much talent on the receiver side. But Michigan has come full circle. I did not see one weakness in their football team. So as far as you guys were talking about, or I guess a little bit more uh, like people being even across the board and conference play in the NCAA, it's there. That's one good thing I think NIL has done and things like that. Um, but as far as traveling and all that, it's also created kind of an atmosphere of if you're a school like Arkansas, you're just a farm league for the bigger schools to get linebackers and people they need. Uh, but that's all I got, guys, and y'all have a good one, all right? You mentioned Jalen Milrow, so he'll be back next year for Alabama. He goes 16 for 23, 116 yards, no touchdowns throwing, uh, no touchdowns running either, had 63 rushing yards as well. But this was the Achilles heel of Alabama this year was the offensive line, which I didn't think I'd ever say that about Alabama and Arkansas in the same year because of your head football coach and his background and because of what Nick Saban usually possesses on that side of things. But Michigan was in their backfield all night, all night. And Milrow is one of the best, most elusive quarterbacks in the country, and he didn't have time to do anything last night. They got dominated in the area that they usually dominate. Now, their defensive line still got out through McCarthy, but not at the same rate that they I'd were ag- able to get after Milrow. I'd agree with all of that, and that's why I think Michigan will probably win decidedly against Washington. I, I hope that's not the case. I want to see a good football game that goes down to the end like we saw in both of those yesterday. But I don't think I don't think Washington can handle the line play. If Michigan plays at that same level uh, in a week, a week from last night, mm-hmm. that, that's going to be hard to handle. They have arguably the best defensive line in all of college football. They've got NFL dudes all over the place. And, and kind of like you it, said. Isn't that amazing how that's the common denominator? You look at those Georgia teams. You look at this team. Isn't that, isn't that funny how those interior defensive linemen might just be the – the key to, to being great. Yeah, I think it's the uh, Aubrey Graham kid that's from Anaheim. Something Graham, if I remember that right, that was just tearing up Alabama at this point. And again, you think of Alabama, uh, what was odd to me is Alabama got punked in overtime. Like Michigan only ran like three plays. Corum scored that rushing touchdown. And then when they needed the Alabama that we're accustomed to seeing, a fourth and two, just run it down your throat, Michigan just abused their offensive line in that final play. And you could say that's a bad call from Tommy Reese, but he's putting it in the hands of his quarterback in a situation that he feels is best. We'll get to Nick Saban's comments after the game. And they got Alabama. They they legitimately, Alabama got Alabama in that game. They got run over in overtime, and they got stoned, which they're so used to doing over the years. They got, got a kind of taste of their own medicine well, last night. Milrow nearly got free when he got that first down in overtime yeah. that first play went if i remember i right, went to the right and they kind of wasted a play and put their backs to the wall and i don't know how that affect the play calling moving forward then milro ran for the first down and kind of bailed them out of that but they were never in sync the way you need it to be the arlington resort hotel and spa in downtown hot springs arkansas is the perfect destination for your next getaway join them for a romantic valentine's day getaway with a special dinner or romance package or if you're coming to town for live racing they've got room for you every weekend including martin luther king day weekend and president's day weekend experience all the luxury and hospitality of a grand Southern Hotel. The accommodations are sure to please everyone. Visit ArlingtonHotel.com for more details. That's ArlingtonHotel.com. Call or text the McClarty Daniel Hotline at 877 377 6963.
McClarty Daniel, a vehicle for every lifestyle. When you're looking for a new car, you want to shop for a vehicle you love with an organization you trust. You've probably heard that McCarty Daniel means making deals, but what I'm inspired by the most is that McCarty Daniel means making a difference in our community. When you buy a vehicle with McCarty Daniel, you reinvest right here in the community, in our schools, in our little leagues, in our food banks, and our people. So you're not just making a purchase, you're making a difference too. Come see us at any of our six locations in Northwest Arkansas. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V. For your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. So did y'all watch any college basketball this weekend at all outside of Arkansas? Who did Tennessee play this weekend? We did. We had an open date. Yeah, Tennessee. Uh, Tennessee still thinks they're going to play in a BCS ball Tennessee every plays year, tonight. So, so, so. They, yeah, we play Norfolk State. Yeah. So yeah, I'm. Uh, no, I, I watched Arkansas, and that was about it. I mean, I didn't want. That's the only game we it's watched. College football weekend. Man. Yeah. So. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm sure this Pradco Pyramid of Power is going to be on the money then, since we didn't watch any college basketball this weekend. Who are the best basketball what teams in the what SEC? Yeah. SEC? SEC. Let's find out. Perhaps I could be of some assistance. This is the Pradco Pyramid of Power. Who would we have watched and who are they playing? That would have given us some kind of uh, major shift in our opinions. Did you not get any expectation from some of the great non-conference battles that we had this weekend at all? Well, which ones did you watch, big boy? I'll, uh, I, I'll I'm hang not, up and listen. I'm not the one that's making the, the Pratco Pyramid of well, Power. Well, then you just need to sit over there and be quiet. No, I got it handled. We're confident. Yeah. In it? Yeah, all right. We're yeah. confident. All right. We're going to start at the top with Kentucky. They're on the top of the college basketball world, so we're, they're at the top of the uh, Pradco Pyramid of Power. Ten and two, they don't play again until Saturday. They're at Florida. I've got them number one in the SEC right now. Yeah, their best win is uh, against number eight, North Carolina. That's probably the best win in the mm-hmm. SEC this year. So, yeah, they're number one. Tennessee, number two. They're ranked fifth in the poll. They're nine and three. You mentioned Norfolk State tonight, one of just two SEC games. Saturday, uh, it's put up or shut up time, I guess, to a degree for Ole Miss, who's 13-0. and 0. Saturday, uh, Tennessee and Ole Miss hook it up. Yeah, Tennessee's best win against number nine, Illinois. Also one at ranked uh, Wisconsin. So two really good wins. All their losses were the top eight teams. And uh, we figured that out without watching any of the non-con games this, this weekend. So Kentucky and Tennessee, then I got Ole Miss third. They're 13-0. and They're in the poll at 22, and we mentioned they play Tennessee uh, in uh, Knoxville on Saturday. So that that's to me, maybe probably the most intriguing game in the opening slate it is, is uh, two top 25 teams going at it on Saturday. Yeah, uh, Ty, that's my question. Saturday, I'm in Nashville working the Big Rock Sports Show for Pradco and two and a half hours away from uh, Thompson Bowling. Am I, I going to make that drive over to uh, Say, are you, or, are you? I'm trying I'm trying to figure it out. I'm still having a hard time calling it the Food City Center. That doesn't sound right, but that's what we are now. Is that what they changed Thompson food, Bowling to? Food City. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Does anyone actually call it that? No. No, I didn't think so. All right, so Kentucky, Tennessee, Ole Miss, 
Boys, I got Auburn at four. We're we're uh, we're four for four. All right, without Auburn, watching any bad yeah. basketball, Tommy. Auburn's playing tonight. Of course, play the Razorbacks on Saturday. They play Penn tonight. Arkansas Saturday, one o'clock. You can hear it right here where you're listening. Auburn's at ten and two, and they checked in at twenty five in the poll this last week. Got Auburn at number four. Got A and M at number five. They're nine and four. They play Saturday against LSU in their SEC opener. So A and M at five. I, we're five for five. Right. Auburn's best win was at uh, ten and three. Indiana beat them by twenty eight. And A and M's best win non conference uh, was at eleven and two. Ohio State. So the the Big Ten we're we're owning the Big Ten. All right, All right here's the flop. Can we go? Yeah, exactly. I I, I bet we miss on this. Don't one. Don't be a homer. No, no, okay. I didn't. I did not. But I went with Florida. They beat no. Michigan uh, back on the nineteenth uh, of December. They're ten and four. They play at Missouri on Saturday. I elevated. Florida up to number six right now. No, I stuck with Mississippi State eleven okay. and two. They beat ten and two. Northwestern was their best win. They're playing South Carolina, which what are they? Uh, 11 12 and one. Twelve and one. one. Yeah, I got which, I got South Carolina next. That's like so. the next worst schedule in the country. Is it, I was going to say it's Cream Puff City. Lamont Paris not did, schedule anyone. Did you not watch them this weekend? No, I, I was <laughs> uh, full disclosure. I didn't. I was honest. They I played Upas. I mean, it's did they, really? <laughs> they stepped up. Yeah. That, that improved their uh, RPI. RPI. Yeah. yeah. So Kentucky, Tennessee, Ole Miss, one, two, three, Auburn, A and M, and I've got Florida. Bruce has Mississippi State, four, five, and six. Ty, where'd we get it wrong? Tuggy's the best team in not just the SEC, maybe. Number in one in the poll. Uh, so. Maybe maybe in college basketball to this point. Uh, Tennessee has had a brutal non-conference. Tennessee and Alabama were fighting this year for the worst non- or the toughest non-conference schedule. Ole Miss, they played Memphis, but I don't think they've really played anyone else. They beat Mem- the, Memphis is 3-1 yeah, against Memphis, the SEC. Listen, Memphis, that's a good win, but I don't think they played a lot of, a lot of other teams beside that. Auburn's, I think, going to be better this year than when they were originally picked. Um, six is just kind of a crapshoot. Like, you put Florida Tommy, you put Mississippi State. I mean, there's probably three or four teams you could put at six, but I would say top five for sure. Six you could throw in, again, a couple of different teams. Does, does, so, it, does it bother you that you're not talking about Arkansas in the top six? I'm yeah. not worried. I want If we're not talking about Arkansas in the top six by the end of conference play, then I'll be frustrated, which I don't end know if we're going to. conference play? I'd say end of January. Yeah. Maybe mid-January. Yeah, maybe that's a better a better way. Again, Arkansas' schedule this year is back-loaded than front-loaded. They've played their tough road games are at the tail end of the season when they go to Tuscaloosa, they go to Lexington, but and they have ten. They don't have to go to Knoxville this year. Thank God. Uh, they have Tennessee at home this year because they never win there. They can't February fourteenth. Happy Valentine's Day. Yeah, I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. You and uh, why are you going to that? That's good. I, mean, I got your tickets too. There you go. <laughs> yeah, don't let him give those away at this point. But yeah. again. As we got one more college football game, then you've got NFL playoffs, but uh, really starting, I would think, next week. And I know conference play begins this week, but next week is when I think a good chunk of our audience not just watches Arkansas games, but actually sinks their teeth into other college basketball teams within the SEC at this point, which is going to be better than I think people initially thought it might, even though they didn't have a great non-conference slate. Yeah, Vanderbilt's the only team with a losing record. Uh, shocking they didn't try to get a better schedule. That's what killed them last year. They had such a bad non-conference mm-hmm. schedule. Cause they actually yeah, they're 5-8. Well. and eight. I've got them 14. That's where I got them. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're bad. It's hard to really separate that next wave of teams that are Eight, nine, ten wins. I mean, as far as figuring out, I, I, to me, there's not a lot of clear separation. Arkansas is in the midst of that group. So Arkansas and Bama have the most to climb. I mean, again, both have not had the best non-conference. Um, they have great resumes in terms of who they play. They just don't have the best records at this point. Both those teams will be better. I would say 
more you will see Alabama and Arkansas in the Pradco Pyramid of Power before it's said and done because of again Oates and Musselman's ability to get things going once it gets to postseason. Then Oates wilts and Mus usually thrives. So we all agree on who the top five teams are, and we pretty much agree in order. What's that tell you right now about this league, at least as of today? Probably no better than a five bid league right now. It's not that good. The big, but but we're owning the Big Ten, which is good. So, what, what was the ACC's record against the SEC? It's tied up. First one, first time ever, yeah. it went e- okay. it went even mm-hmm. in the challenge. Yep, yeah. in the first ever edition. Which you know, and, and for for Arkansas, the question is, you bring that up. You know, the Duke game, and we were listening to Coach Muss earlier. You know, that was their best forty minutes of basketball. They turned around and you know got one hundred and six points, and you know allowed ninety. But uh, he was talking about that second half being some of the best basketball they played but not the best 40 minutes. Is this going to be a bright lights team? You know, is this a team that Saturday when Auburn comes in here with a number next to their name, they just find a way to go to another level? I don't know. I don't know the answer to that, but that's what that's the question we need to get answered at this point is what kind of team is this going to be, particularly at home? Because I think for this team to find its way to the tournament, maybe lose one at home, but you lose more than... you got to win your home game. you got to win your home games. You, game. you know, and Chuck's made the point, and I think we agree... It's not the home games though that's going to make the difference. It's when you go to Georgia the following week. Yeah. It's when you it's when you play go some of these Miss. midweek Wednesday yeah. night games in places that you should win, but they're kind of toss ups and kind of low energy joints. Can you go in there and and, and strap it on? Because uh, you know if you don't win at least eight of nine at home and probably what three or four on the road and get yourself to. 12 and 6, 13 and 5. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, it, to me, you're going to have to finish in that top four in the league to probably overcome the non-conference uh, part and in, in, in find your way in the field. SEC's brutal. Arkansas went, what, 8 and 10 last year? Yep. And it went mm-hmm. to Sweet 16. And, and, you know, you lose at Vanderbilt. I mean, everybody loses at Vanderbilt. Kentucky mm-hmm. loses at Vanderbilt. It's a tough league on the road. The Year of the Sauce continues at Buffalo Wild Wings. Introducing Bullet Bourbon Barbecue Sauce and the return of hot barbecue sauce to the Buffalo Wild Wings Sauce lineup. Try both Bullet Bourbon Barbecue Sauce and Hot Barbecue Sauce for a limited time at your local Buffalo Wild Wings. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings in Little Rock, Sherwood, Bryant, Conway, Jonesboro, and Fort Smith. Buffalo Wild Wings. Wings, sauce, beer, and football. Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always in MVP form. With Pascal's world-class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. You're listening to the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast. Bud Light, proud sponsor of Arkansas Athletics. Is the Dallas Cowboys curse over? They did all that they could this past weekend as they inducted former Arkansas Razorback Jimmy Johnson into the ring of honor. Finally. And uh, he ended that speech like he often did. And I just got one more thing to say. So I'm not a Cowboys fan, but I did get 
a certain type of way when I heard him say that, and I watched that. What replay. kind of way did you get? Uh, I'm a little sentimental, man. That's oh. a former Razorback. I don't like the Cowboys, but I like Jerry Jones. I appreciate what he's done for the university. I wouldn't say I'm a, a like just a, a like that era. I know it's it's very very sentimental for a lot of people. Christian, you you said you didn't watch it live, but you watched it this morning when we were getting it together. Yeah, I didn't get to see that part. I was doing something during the halftime but my dad got to see it and like you said it just brings back memories for the older fans because that was the glory days with those three yeah uh, I, 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 I was watching the game then I had to run an errand at halftime but I backed it up watched the whole thing and then caught up to the game as it went on and uh, you know Jerry's speech about it you know how Jimmy inspired him he inspired those around but he inspired him I, I don't know how genuine that part was but uh, but I thought it was well well done, well produced, and it's great to see all the other Ring of Honor members out there, and then of course you know the the, the players that put Jimmy there, you know Michael you know, Irvin, yep. Emmett Smith, Troy, Troy, Troy Aikman was calling the game, and I thought that was that was great that it worked out with the schedule and and the TV yep. assignments that Troy Aikman was on uh, was on the call for that game. Now, I would make the comparison while they're different situations. I felt like Arkansas did right by Nolan Richardson by putting his name on the court. Um, and now that Jimmy's in the ring of honor, some have said that the Cowboys curse is over. Arkansas finally got back to the Elite Eight and finally got past the second round of the NCAA tournament once Nolan's name went on the court. So maybe Dallas will get back to a Super Bowl. The fact that Jimmy has finally been inducted, long overdue. I mean, it is it, this weekend is 2023. There's no way it should have taken this long, but... Maybe the Cowboys curse is over after well, 25 plus years. You get older, you get a little more sentimental, like you were talking about, and uh, you, you you bury hatchets, and that's that's apparently it took 30 years to bury that one, but uh, but they got there. So yeah, finally did at yeah. this point in time. But again, congratulations to to Coach Johnson, the former Razorback, and sort of is your hog update. Also, congratulations to the men's basketball team. They got a 16 point win, cleared 100 over UNC Wilmington over the weekend. Uh, Eric Musselman, very positive things to say about Keon Minifield, who poured in 30-plus and was just outstanding this Saturday. We see the, the impact that Keon can have, and, and we're a different team with his energy out there and his basketball IQ. You know, we missed him, the games that he wasn't a part of our team. We recruited him with the thought that he could score. And also, I didn't think he hunted his shots tonight, which you you really don't say that about a player that scored 32. I thought all of his shots were great. 17 free throws attempted is, is a lot. Now, the key part of that 32 is what he kind of alluded to, not hunting shots. He was 8 of 14, so he was efficient. He had a plus minus of plus 17, and he also got to the free throw line 17 times yeah, that was the in number. this game. Yeah. 13 of 17 at the free throw line goes a long ways into to breaking 30 points. But those are the kind of FTAs, and I'm looking here for the game. Arkansas had 43 FTAs, uh, 17 of those from Minifields. That's that's a good number. Yep, and he had also five assists to go with the, the points as well. And you, you said the bright lights team earlier. Arkansas is going to win on Saturday against Auburn. Stripe out. Auburn's a good team. Top 25 matchup. There's no reason for this team not to get jacked up. I mean, must said it. There's no rust with this team. You practice as hard as we did, Bob. There's not going to be any rust. Trust me. There will be a massive crowd this week, and we'll be record-breaking no, but people are itching to get back into kind of the swing of things, and you can do so at Budwalter Arena this Saturday at 1 o'clock. Well, we've seen against Auburn when they were number one in the country that that arena make the difference, so... 
I mean, it's not going to be that, but but it uh, you know this arena can make can make a difference. And I think for those transfers like Minifield, like Ellis, like Battle, and some of these other guys, they've seen Bud Walton at its quote unquote zenith with Duke already. But conference play again when Kentucky comes in here, when Tennessee comes in here, you've got some great matchups ahead. Top twenty five. Now you we we pointed out something something earlier in a Pratco pyramid of power. There's five rock solid teams that you feel confident about the NCAA tournament. Then you don't know where the six is. Now you hope Arkansas is in that list. I see Alabama eventually getting to that point. But outside of those five teams, Ole Miss, A and M. Auburn, Tennessee, and Kentucky, you're not sure on anyone else at this point, including your own Arkansas Razorbacks. So, so let me flip that real quick. Of those five teams at the top, Kentucky, Tennessee, Ole Miss, Auburn, and A&M, who won't be there Ole at the Miss. end of the year? Okay. Ole Miss. Auburn. Ole Miss, to me, I think Auburn's been a little more tested, and I know Ole Miss has that marquee win over Memphis, and that game was in, I think, um, the, I almost called it the Tad Pad, the Pavilion. <laughs> that... uh it's Ole Miss. The, year one, it's very difficult to make the NCAA tournament year one. Uh, I know Chris Beard's a really good basketball coach, but, I mean, even Muss, I mean, look at Muss's first team year one. I mean, they had gl- flashes and glimpses. All right, this team has a chance, but and maybe if they had won the SEC tournament, it got a little farther, they had a chance to make the tournament, but I think it's Ole Miss. I think it's clearly Ole Miss. Who do you think it is? Christian says Auburn on that list. I mean, there's too much talent and veterans on any of the other four teams for me to, I guess you have Florida in there. So I sorry. No. Of those, I know you said the five. The five. Yeah. Florida's so not in there. Ole Miss, I think, is clearly that team because I think it, it's just difficult to do in year one. All right. That, uh, that is your Morning Rush Hog Update. It is brought to you by our friends at Mr. Sparky. You don't have to put up with any malarkey. Call 888-8-SPARKY. All right, so coming up in Hour 3, we're going to react more to the college football playoff and what happened. Two epic games last night that were really enjoyable to watch for those that were able to stay up late. And then if you just got a chance to watch the Alabama and Michigan game, you were treated to quite quite a contest. We mentioned, again, the basketball team, they'll play this Saturday after winning their non-conference 9-4 and four in non-conference play to this point in time. We'll see if they're able to kind of keep it rolling at this point uh, this weekend as well and also need to mention didn't get this in our hog update but it is a former Razorback KJ Jefferson landing spot UCF to play with Gus Malzahn and the Golden Knights down there in Orlando Florida so I'm curious to see where he comes they'll play the Florida Gators in the swamp be pretty cool to see KJ win in the swamp back-to-back seasons if they're able to accomplish that at this point at non-conference play yeah and I think it's a good fit Gus loves to have offenses with big running quarterbacks. And you know, while KJ's not Cam Newton, he is cut from the same kind of cloth mm-hmm. and, and likes to do a lot of those same things. So, um, you know, we saw the success Gus was able to have with a quarterback of that nature. And I think that'll, uh, you know, with the, with the Big 12 schedule next year, I think they can win some games together. Uh, we all stayed up and I guess watched uh, the thing. At, you said you watched the Nashville one at this uh the sorry the new year scene on the on the 23rd the countdown at this point christian you stayed up and stayed up a little bit so again we stayed up later i, I guess i stayed up later on new year's night than i did last night just I because mean, of the i the was change. not only up i was out which is very unusual that's, for me it's rare yeah well i guess you're celebrating uh your birthday at this point and normally happy, that never happens that i'm a awake and b not at home. And I so. should also say a happy belated birthday to you as well. well thank you. As we celebrate here a, a fun couple, weekend. couple days later at this point. 
Hi, everybody. This is Chris George from Joshua Sign Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Christmas gifts, weddings, heirloom family treasures. And at Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we only have one sale every year, and it's right now. Every single item in our store is value priced for Christmas. We do custom one-of-a-kind jewelry. If that's what you're looking for, come see us. You can get anything fixed for a Christmas gift, selection, quality, service, and Christmas red tag prices. Now through Christmas at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. you tried Benville Brewing's new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale? It's handcrafted in Arkansas. You'll taste the great tropical citrus, including the passion fruit, the guava, and pineapple. It's creamy, zingy, and zows the taste buds. It's weird, wonderful, and wacky all at the same time. Try the new Space Goose Hazy India Pale Ale from Benville Brewing. I heard a Drew Sanders highlight there in the yeah. in a rejoin. He did have a, a stop on a on a punt sure fake uh, and over this weekend, Big C. Yeah, I've got him first actually. Drew Sanders, he did. He had that big stop. He had three solo tackles in Denver's sixteen to nine win over the Chargers. And yeah, that was a uh, fake punt, and he made the stop. So that's a pretty big play in that game with it being 16-9. to nine. There's a lot of Denver Bronco fans that really like him and his future there with Sean Payton, assuming he's the head coach moving forward. But the big story that was involving an Arkansas player this weekend yeah. is from the game that we referenced a little bit earlier. The Dallas Cowboys hosting the Detroit Lions where the Cowboys come out on top by one. Dan Skipper, Frank Ragnow, both former Razorbacks, both playing for Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions. Uh, Tommy, I I know there, there's been a lot of questions about the referees and the, the statement and everything that went on during that game at, at this point. A lot of angry Detroit fans after this weekend. And I know just enough about you know reporting and the in the process of that to, to just be dangerous and to be wrong uh, because only in the NFL do you report to the referee and then it's announced to the defense and then announced over the speaker. It's not something we're used to at high school or college football. But mm-hmm. I think Detroit was trying to do something a little deceptive in that process and make it appear like maybe Skipper was involved in all of that. I, you know, you know, again, I, I could know just enough to be wrong, but I could see how the referee might be confused with the way the two of them went and was interacting to try to kind of create that deception there. At least that's what I think. My understanding is that 68, who I'm forgetting his name, actually reported and said something to the ref. Dan Skipper acted like, as you said, was trying and but didn't say anything. The ref took mm-hmm. it as he's reporting. Then the penalty was, of course, called because uh, you had that play where 68 caught the ball, but if the second player reports, then it eliminates the first player reporting because right. you're only wondering. That's my understanding, but I think the ref was, like you said, confused to this point. Now, you could argue if they discussed it with the officials before the game how they were going to try and, quote, quick trick the other players, like the fake fair catch for North Texas years ago that you let the officials know about the deception before the play occurred. But Detroit fans really felt like they got hosed this weekend. Well, I mean, and they're going to have, they're always going to blame the officials because that's the easy target. I don't know what's right or wrong. And here's the thing. It most likely comes down to the referee's word versus the player's word. Mm-hmm. And, you know, fans and teams are going to side against the officials because that's just the nature of sports. But 
Um, that's ultimately what this whole conversation comes back to. But you think about the shakeup now in the NFC side of things with Dallas. It's like we kind of alluded to, and we didn't think Philly would do what they've done the last couple games, but Dallas and Philadelphia, the Dallas Cowboys taking on Washington this weekend, and if they win and Philly loses, then they are the representative from the NFC East, Big C. What's more likely to happen, do you think? Cowboys losing to the Commanders or the Eagles losing to the Giants? Well, they play the Giants in New York, and they barely beat them in Philadelphia at Lincoln Financial, so... NFL man's weird. You just never know. And I guess the Giants will probably roll out with Terod Taylor unless something changes, but we'll have to wait and see. All right. And Drake Greenlaw and the 49ers, they defeated Cam Curl and the Commanders on Sunday, 27-10. Dre, six solo tackles, four assists. Cam had six solo and three assists, so not a bad game for them in that game. Uh, the second straight week, Hunter Henry did not play for the Patriots on Sunday due to a knee injury in their 27-21 loss to the Bills. Dietrich Wise, though, he did play. He had an impact for the Patriots' defense. He had two solo tackles, two assisted. He had one sack for a loss of 15 yards, and he forced a fumble. Now, Dietrich Wise is one of the more underappreciated Razorbacks in the NFL and uh, has had a little success there in Foxborough with Bill Belichick and company. Traylon Burks, two catches for 11 yards on Sunday in the Titans' 26-3 loss to Houston. Traylon and the Titans are probably just ready to get this season over at this point. And who knows, we may see Traylon in another uniform. Uh, I, I would like him to see him go elsewhere. I know he likes Nashville, but he's better off going to another franchise for to prolong his career. Yelda Froholt and the Cardinals put off a huge upset at Philadelphia on Sunday, 35-31. James Conner. 128 yards on 26 carries. A big win helping out the Cowboys there. Yep, Philadelphia, again, not the same team as they were last year. Defensively, they're nowhere near where they're at forcing turnovers or or stopping the run or anything. That's just a different team this year. Wouldn't be surprised at all, honestly, if they lost in New York this weekend. Jeremiah Ledbetter, he had an assisted tackle in the Jaguars' 26-0 win over the Panthers. And in NBA action, Anthony Black last Tuesday had his best performance so far as a pro. 23 points, 6 rebounds, 4 steals. He had 5 turnovers, but I, th- I think he made up for it with that performance with the 4 steals. That, they really like him, and we kind of joked about it earlier. More popular icon in, in Orlando this next year is it Anthony Black yeah. or KJ Jefferson. I think it's clearly Anthony right. Black just because that's a pro sports and it's a transient city. That's not, even a, that's not even a question. His counterpart there, Daniel Gafford, 13 points, 13 rebounds, so not a bad performance for him. The Magic won 127, 119. I think I'm going to go see Oklahoma City play Washington in February, and I'll get a chance to see uh, Gafford, who I'm, who's having a pretty good career as a pro thus far. Yeah. So I know Nick Saban has got a lot of questions about what occurred in the final play last night for Alabama. Again, I rewatched it. If an Alabama right tackle had done his job, Jalen Miller rocks it, walks in the left side. He got blown up. Milrow tripped, and the game was over. Here's what Saban said about the final play that cost Alabama last night. We called three plays. One they called timeout. One we called timeout. And the last one that didn't work. So the fact that it didn't work made it a really bad call. You know what I mean? But we called timeout because we had a bad look. We had a good look on the first one. Uh, they must have known it. But Tommy just felt like the best thing that we could do was have a quarterback run, which was kind of our two-point play. One- 
And as we welcome our friend Tom Murphy into the program now on the McCarty Daniel Hotline. Tom, you covered Alabama for a number of years. I know kind of a good chunk pre-Saban. Uh, how did you think that game played out last night? Was that the right call for Tommy Reese to make at the tail end? Hey, good morning, guys. I really enjoyed both games last night. That was tremendous college football watching. Um, I can't speak to you know whether that was their best option because I don't know them. Their, you know what their offense, you know their schemes and their rules to, to to tell you that was the best play. But I would like to have seen. Well, as you just stated, and and you know Kevin Kelly broke this play down on the internet, um, and I was watching it. And Jonathan Luigs, the former Arkansas center, commented as well about the blocking there. And I think you're right. The right tackle got shoved back, and I think a linebacker did that. Number five pushed him right back in the backfield, and it got uh, Milrose foot hung up it does look to me like if he had broken left he'd had a good chance but as they struggled with snaps for a good part of the game and then multiple snaps that were high low milro did a good good job catching them all but i just think it threw the timing of the playoff and um i don't know a, a straight quarterback run probably a pretty good idea um uh, you know, I, I would like to have seen a little bit more multiplicity to the play, but they know their schemes a lot better than I do. Tom, you look at Arkansas and Alabama this year, the worst offensive line under Sam Pittman, the worst offensive line under Nick Saban, the most sacks I think they've ever given up in the history of not just his tenure, but Alabama as a whole. Uh, which is more surprising in Tuscaloosa and Fayetteville what happened with the, that line play this year? Both of them were surprising because, yes, we had never seen anything like what Alabama had given up and Michigan you could tell that was just a part of their game plan and it was it was largely effective um but Arkansas was also very surprising and that uh, a noted offensive line guru they just haven't been able to get uh enough depth and and big time road graders and pass blockers to uh to have been more effective this year so they they recognize that as a, a major problem and they've tried to go out in the portal and correct it the proof will be on the football field next year but i gotta say you know alabama michigan was a much better team in the first half probably should have had a bigger lead but there's something about the alabama way i think um that chris fowler did a great job describing um in the second half he said this is classic alabama where they make adjustments they stay in the game and then it looked like it was their game late in the game but Great drive by Michigan to, to cap it off. And I'm telling you guys, over the years, uh, my attitude on overtimes has changed. I think I would be more of a take-the-ball-first in overtime guy. And I know Sam Pittman won one game uh, doing that. I cannot remember the exact game, but he he wanted to go first with the ball, and it paid off for him. Man. Tom Murphy with us on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Tom, let's shift to the portal problems in Arkansas's issues what's going on at linebacker why are they so depleted and uh what happens next for arkansas's defense that's uh running out of time to find players to uh, fill those obvious gaps for next year right and, and of course then there's another uh opening after spring but anyway um yeah when your guys who accounted for basically every one of your starts at linebacker leave um and now greer did not have any eligibility left but um between Paul and uh, Jordan Crook and now uh, Jaheim Thomas, you know, that, that this, this is a big deal, and it's at the position that your coordinator works on. So 
Um, I think we might have gotten a, a small indication when Jordan Crook's father weighed in about what they were talked about, how much you'd play, how much they liked the kids, and then what it amounted to on the field. Um, and so, I, I don't know. I, I think um, I can't speak to what was said to those kids, but it feels like maybe they thought they would have more playing time in, in Crook's in Crook's instance. So. Uh, they got Sori coming in. Brad Spence was a, a really good freshman. They just got to hope that the guys they have on the on the roster, you know, the Carson Deans, the Caden Henleys, and they develop and can start giving you playing time. But you still need some more uh, some more front line type guys too, so they can help with uh, depth. So where is the biggest need on this team? Um, if we're in the, the the end of the current portal period, as you as you point out, I guess graduates can still come and go, but. What's the mm-hmm. biggest needs right now heading into this first uh, this first week of the new year? Uh, edge rusher, um, and then probably another linebacker. Now, I, those would be two huge ones. Um, wouldn't hurt to get another uh, wide receiver. I would not think. Um, and then, obviously, they've said they want another offensive lineman or two. So, I think those are your your real need spots. And um, I mean, today's the day, right? Uh, that the portal closes. So. Um. Yeah, time is running a little bit slow uh, out on that, uh, but you know we'll see what happens. Will we see changes in the portal this next season? I know they've already made one in terms of you can be you can transfer as many times you want as an undergraduate. Will we see changes in the amount of days and maybe the period of time when the portal opens and closes starting this next season, Tom? Right, we were discussing that I believe last week, and I, I'm I'm with you, Ty. I think. I think it would suit the game better, and uh, the coaches, you know, they're probably going to um, argue for this to, to reduce the number of days in the window. Uh, December is just such a madcap time when you're getting ready for you're you're getting ready for bowl games. You're uh, trying to manage your roster, and there's so much of a, a wide opening of time where the kids can leave. Um, I hated to see what happened at Florida State. Uh, that so many kids got in the portal for a team that was undefeated. It's just unfathomable. I mean, to to have said that would happen like six, seven years ago, this is going to happen in, in the year 2023. I would not have believed it, but it did happen. Georgia was down a lot of people too, but they showed up to play. Yeah. Tom Murphy with us on the McClarty-Daniel Hotline. Real quick shift to basketball. The Hogs win by 16 over UNC Wilmington on Saturday. Got Auburn coming up this week. Where in your mind are the Hogs at headed into these uh, critical 18 SEC games? Well, better than they were a week ago. I, I was telling Bob as the you know second half was winding down. That I think this is about Arkansas' best performance of the year. The Duke game was good, but I just feel like maybe they're starting to find their rhythm. I mean, conference play is not going to be easy, but um, I do believe that Minifield has provided a spark um, out on the perimeter. He can get his own shot. Um, I talked to the. Um, UNCW coach Takeo um, about Arkansas. And by the way, they have a good team. Those the Seahawks were a, that's a quality team that, that should do well in the Colonial. Um, but he's he was like they imposed their will on us, and, and the, uh, they knew rebounding would be big. And Eric Musselman's team delivered on that front. But Minifield's uh, ability to create his own shot, and then his lob passes. For the guys who can get up there, Brazil and them, that, those were and Graham, those were spectacular, um, and it, I hopefully it will bode well for them entering conference play. 
So is he going to take L. Ellis's minutes? We've seen those diminish pretty recently the last three or four games. Is is L the guy that is kind of out of the equation when it comes to the guard well, role? Yeah, I think L and Blocker's minutes were down noticeably the other night. Um, but you could tell they have their moments. I mean, and mm-hmm. so the thing is, it's nice to have that depth, and it makes them even more eager to contribute when they're in there. You just don't want them to do too much. You know, like, oh, I've only got six minutes right here. i got to do more than what I'm capable. The game quote has to come to them, but it, it appears that way. But at least they know they've got a guy like Ellis who can come in and, and still provide quality time. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Subscribe to the Hit That Line Podcast Network, the best podcast in the natty state. Just search Hit That Line wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.